Welcome everyone to my podcast. My name is Pastor Edwin, uh, TR4 Discipled Ministries. Now um, we are going to finish up that one part I told you about, the second part of Covenant Friendship and Marriage. The, we're still the series of Blood Covenant, but this is the second part of Covenant Friendship and Marriage. Always saw level two faith builder. And here we're going to finish this off. But first, let's open up in prayer. Because we let, and then we'll recap where we left off for those that are tuning back in. It took us a little bit to finish up on this one here, but we are grateful that we're able to come today, right now, to, to unfold this unre and reveal it to you guys so we can close it and move into the next one, which the next one will be uh, Two Immutable Things, which there's big topics on that. I've used it in the middle school for some of the 7th uh, uh, and 8th graders that have asked questions and um, what are the two immutable things. So anyway, here we go. Let's open up in prayer before we get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight, for this moment in time to, that we're able to come together to tune into your absolute truth, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your holy word that's in front of us, Lord, that we can reach into it and, and seek your truth. Father, we pray for uh, um, clarity today. We ask Holy Spirit to uh, be present with us right now. All those that are tuned in, that they may feel your presence as we come to understand the covenant that our Father God has explained to us through these scriptures and how blessed Jerry Dearman is to share it with us. And we thank him for that, allowing us to use this, uh, uh, um, this teaching that we can come together for the culture and, and the community that is tuning in. Father, we thank you with all our hearts and all our minds. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Okay, brothers and sisters, thank you for tuning in. And um, I'm going to recap real quick because we were talking about the friendship, uh, covenant friendship with the Lord and um, what, the call what God calls us to do and be in the principle of being loyal and becoming that uh, trustworthy covenant friend with God. Um, so quickly here, I'm just going to recap on something here from Deuteronomy 28, verse 10, um, all of, and, and, and a lot of us have come to notice this when we read these scriptures that we can bypass things quickly just to get through it, or there's something in there that we didn't understand, like, oh, is there something, right? But if we hold back, we go back to it again, then we'll pick it up, right? Okay, so. Uh, here we go. The law of Deuteronomy. All of us stand together before for your God, your leaders, your tribes, your elders, other your officers, all of the men of your of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger who is in your camp, um, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you today, that he may establish you today as people for himself and that he may be God to you, just as he has spoken to you, and just as he has sworn to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what does he say? We're reading this in the law. Why does God throw the covenant into the law? The law was 430 years after the covenant, and we see that God throws it in there. And I'll tell you why, because the law was never God's heart. And the book of Galatians brings it out. If you study the book of Galatians, as we've talked about, it says the law was in parentheses because people weren't getting it. And they began to think that they could be righteous enough. So God gave the law. Okay, you. so a lot of people still want to be righteous. We can't do all that. Thousands of little angels being righteous. If you want to try to do it yourself, but God never intended that. 
Because even here, after the cursings of the law, the last half of Deuteronomy 28, God brings it right back to them. And here he comes leading into more of that covenant where we uh, start to uh, um, get into the marriage part and how all this blood covenant that we've been learning about leads to this as well. And this is the last part of the um, that their covenant part. The blood covenant is still the series, but the the marriage part here is bigger than what you ever thought. You ever you ever uh, went to a wedding and wondered, wow, look at all this setup, how everything is done, and how beautiful things are put together, and all the white here and white there, um, and and all those things. I'm sure you guys have heard stories of um, uh, virginity that a woman should stay pure. Why the reasons why? If you're not too clear with that, we're going to go over some of those things tonight. Uh, right here, um, and we're going to reveal what God says about it through Scripture. And also, we're so if you want, you can turn over to the book of Deuteronomy, um, chapter 22, and, and put your finger on that for a moment and mark it because we're going to be going right into that in a second. You know, and I, I noticed that covenant friends have, uh, um, have a shortage of friends. Have you ever noticed that you've become a covenant with the Lord? Remember I said that last time, we were talking about that last time, that um, you you have, we need to get in and be what God has called us to be, right? Because at the standards that we have for our spouses, our friends, and those type of people are looking for somebody with high standards. So see, that's why he who wants friends must himself be friendly. You want a covenant friend? Become a covenant friend. And we talked about that because a lot of us that are covenant Friends have shortage of friends. People can't stand up to the idea of covenant friends. They don't understand what it is to be a covenant friend. They think that um, you constantly got to be with them all the time. No, it's sometimes it's um, uh, you're distant from each other, and you know that love is there. You know that bond is there. You know what connects you to each other. That if whenever I, I or whoever it is may have to reach out in um, in a cry out for help or whatever, that we know that covenant friendship will be uh, an alarm, a flag that raises up and says, your covenant friend is in trouble. Uh, you need to go address that. So they have no shortage. Why? Because everybody wants to be around somebody that they can trust, somebody that will be loyal to them and listen to them, understand them, encourage them. And sometimes you may get an encouragement from somebody. doesn't mean they're your friend. They're a type of friend, uh, kind of like an associate. You know, somebody you associate with a little bit, not so much. just Because a friend is deep. A friend is somebody that's going to uh, uh, ride or die, kind of, so to speak. You know, when people used to say that back in the day, you're my roadie. You're going to go, you're in thick and thin with me no matter what. Well, today, uh, we should look at our spouses that way. Uh, if it, either it's your husband or your wife, um, you should think about they're your roadie, <laughs> ride or die. They're going to go in thick and thin with you because of the covenant that God placed in your life with that spouse. Okay. And you can talk to them and they're loyal. You can listen to them, understand them, encourage them. And everybody's looking for somebody like that exactly, right? And let me tell you, when it comes to marriage, they, they pause. They don't look for those things. Some do. Some do, but some don't. They're looking at the outer appearance and other things that they can do for them. But somebody's looking for you, if you're that person, and you'll make a few adjustments in your life and become loyal and trustworthy. Keep your mouth shut and open your mouth to encourage at the right time. Somebody is looking for you. 
there there are a lot of people that are looking for covenant friends nowadays, especially today, but they don't know where to look. Now, if you're worried about being on the on the in crowd and everything, you don't understand covenant. Okay, because if you understood covenant, then you're not worried about being in the in crowd. I want you start thinking, I want to hang around with those people because you're just thinking about yourself. That could be a reason. Or you're just using that crowd to get somewhere. And that is not covenant at all either. Be friendly, says. Be a covenant friend. Let's talk about this marriage covenant a little bit. Historically, in various parts of the world, we see covenant very evident in marriage. In some marriages, the bridegroom would bring a lamb to the father at the bride's tent before the witnesses and cut his throat. And when the blood touched the earth, the ceremony was done. <clears throat> it's over and you're married. In, in Burma, among the Karen's, Karen's waters was poured out onto the bride as she entered the groom's house. Why, why is that? Well, when she comes into the groom's house, they pour water all over. And when she's received by the groom, everybody around her says this, be faithful to the covenant and enduring covenant. That's it. That's all they do. Now, in other places, they'd cut up the blood of an ox or a cow at the door of the bride's house house and and isn't that great on your wedding day they're just doing all this let's just slice a big cow in half right at the front door <laughs> take a look at this Woo! look at that smell mm, smell that in china the other parts of and i'm bringing this up because i want you to focus on if you remember um the covenant that god has explained how we come together with him how we become in covenant with him how everything has been coming along look how the world does something similar Something similar. God's ways are out there, and people don't even know it's God's ways. Look, look at China. Uh, and, uh, uh, they drink what they call wedding wine, wedding wine, and drunk by the bride and the groom. And you know that's somewhat prevalent here in Scotland and Arabia. They drink the covenant wine, also called the agreement bottle. Isn't that interesting? How a lot of these things. I mean, even in Scotland, would shed the blood of a rooster. And rings would be dipped into the sacrificial blood. And the groom would hold that ring dripping with blood and recite the terms of the covenant to his bride with two or more witnesses. And he would and he would covenant fidelity to her and give her that gift. And a, a lot of times they put it on the on the thumb. If you don't remember later on uh, uh, on the fourth finger, which tradition says that there is a nerve that goes directly from the fourth finger to the heart. And so that's where that came from, that love, the heart, the fourth finger, and so on. You remember that Pharaoh took his ring off and gave it to Joseph? Remember that? What is he doing? He became friends with him. He said that day they became covenant friends. Sometimes they would take a bracelet and hand it to one another. And that would be the sign of a, 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 a cut rather than making a cut. You see this all over the world in different cultures. These few that were covenant terms. And, and I, want, I want to go over the ceremony in just a few minutes of what we do today. And you're going to see a lot of covenant symbolisms in each ceremony or in that ceremony, I want to say. But before we do, let me take you to uh, the 22nd chapter of Deuteronomy. I told you to put your thumb on Deuteronomy 22, chapter 22. Okay. And since we're already there... And I want to show you that marriage is a blood covenant. How many of you got your wrist cut when you got married? <laughs> no, nobody in here, right? 
Oh, some some people might say I got something else cut, but it wasn't my wrist. Uh Uh-oh, but listen here. Let's follow along. Deuteronomy chapter 22. Are you ready to get a little bloody here? Because it's going to get bloody. (laughs) We're going to get, and we're all adults here, and we all have a mind where we prayed ourselves in. God has covered us from any any, uh, uh, disturbances or distractions from outside of this here covering. Okay, Deuteronomy 22, verse 13. If any man... It says, if any man takes a wife and goes into her and detests her and charges her with shameful conduct and brings a bad name on her and says, I took this woman. And when I came to her, I found that she was not a virgin. Then the father and the mother of the young woman shall take the, the, the bride or, or, or and take and sorry, bride, take and bring out the evidence of the young woman's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. What? Read that again. They will take, they shall take and bring out the evidence of the young woman's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. So you're thinking to yourself, how in the world, what? How do they take out the evidence? What is the evidence? What is the evidence? Okay. Uh, it's interesting because everybody was involved in this and we're going to get to that when in our society we want to keep it all private don't we let's not get everybody involved here don't get the politicians and news everybody in there all the leaders of the town the committee they'll all get involved don't call the mayor over either because you know we'll never hear the end of it but back when god was in charge of his own culture god says we're going to make a big deal out of this everybody was involved there is no hiding this and i want you to notice verse 17 And he charged her with shameful conduct, saying, I found your daughter was not a virgin. I found and yet these evidences of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloth. Here it is. They will spread the cloth before the elders of the city. That was the evidence of the young woman's virginity to the elders of the city. They were bringing it at the gate, okay? They're bringing this towel that's, 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 you know, that has blood on it. Or it doesn't. One or the other, but they're showing the, the towel. Okay. So, um, where were we Yeah, And they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. Then the elders of that city shall take that man. They'll take the man and punish him. They shall fine him 100 shekels of silver and give to the father of the young woman that money, right? Because he has brought a bad name on a virgin of Israel. And she shall be his wife. He cannot divorce her all his days. You see how that is. You know, and you think about why do people don't like Israel so much, huh? Because the things that God wants them to do, the world around them says, no, let's just, let's just have a party. But if this thing is true and evidences of virginity are not found for the young woman, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house. And I want you to note that down. I hope you have your pen and pencil uh, and your tabs, tablets ready. It says here, um, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house and the man of her city shall stone her to death with stones because she has done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house. Can you believe that? Notice this last night. So you shall put away the evil from among you 
Okay, so you should put away the evil from among you. You read that and you completely skip that part because the flesh in you doesn't want you to read that part. Doesn't want you to pick up on the part where you shall put away the evil from among you. You're just standing there reading the part and you're stuck on the part like, oh my goodness, they're going to stone her to death because she she went and had sex uh, before her marriage. Uh, or she maybe they maybe they gave her a uh, um, a bridesmaid uh, uh, or what is it um, a bachelorette's party or something like that you know and and she did one last no that stuff is worldly that stuff is not of God what we're talking about is the way God set it up to be in covenant with Him and this is the start of it when man and woman come together this is the start of it how you come to covenant with God in marriage and and as the father betroths. Uh, um, is, uh, gives the hand of his daughter to the young man that they become betrothed. They're, he's saying to that young man, while she is in my house, until you come to marry her and prepare the things that you're supposed to prepare to marry her, I will keep watch over her virginity. She will be covered in my house. This is an honorable thing, right, for the father. So when there's something bad that happens, it becomes a dishonor in the father's house. This is why they said that they shall bring her out, bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house. And the man of her city shall stone her to death with stones because she has done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house. But not only does she get punishment, so does the parents too, because now they're disgraced by her actions. Okay. So what is the, what is the, why here it says, so you shall put away the evil from among you. This is why it's happening. This is why it would happen to put out that evil. Well, it's a sin. It's against God. Um, yeah, it's against God to have un, un, unmarried sex, um, to have those uh, actions happen. In your, and, and if you're, if you're doing that right now, you're not married, repent, repent to God right now. Come from that. So that way you may gain this understanding clearly and come from it. Don't do that no more. Think about marriage or think about dedicating all of you to God until he provides you with someone that loves him that will also love you through him and and provide what you need. Either it's a woman or a man uh, that I'm talking to. Either you, whatever the, the, the circumstance is, if you're um, a man, then you're going to continue seeking the Lord, not sleep around with women's here, here and there. You're going to pray to God that he provides you with a woman and then you're going to stop. You're going to thank him for hearing your prayer and, and, and continue watching out for that, you know, watching out for that. And it doesn't mean that you're going to go sign up to dating.com or whatever and say, oh, I found somebody it's from God. No, because you did that. It's not of God. Now, if you're standing in the corner store and this lady comes up and says, God bless you, brother. How are you? This and then you find out she's a single lady uh, um, and she's devoted to God. That just may be a little better uh, 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 way of believing and thinking. She's got to be from God that we met here because out of, there's no coincidence. And there was no bad circumstance that brought us together. We were just met at a corner store at the same time. And I had that connection. You know, that connection that you get with somebody that you meet for the first time or whatever. That connection is like, oh, yeah, I like this person. We're going, wow. And you get that connection. So that's a better way to look at it and say, well, okay, man, this is this got to be from God. So let me talk to her and find out. So what you do is 
You get her phone number, you start chatting with her, la 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 la. You leave God out of it? No. You 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 know, you say, Okay, wow, you know, um, how are you? You introduce yourself and everything, and ask what church she's going to, you see? Now you know what church she's going to. That's all you need, because that's if she's a a a, a, a God fearing woman, that's exactly where you're gonna find her. In that church, okay? So then you're going to go home and you're going to pray to God. Father God, I ran into this woman here. Uh, I believe she loves you, Lord. But I want to go to that church if I may. God willing, with your your will, Father, may I go there and visit. That I may see her again and speak to her, Lord. If it is your will, oh man, I know she'll be there. I know that she'll be there. And you go there and you see her. Then you follow through. See, you brought God into the middle of it. You didn't go on your own. You didn't start chatting. Hey, baby, what's going on? Let me get your phone number. I'll call you Tuesday. No, you said, you asked her a simple question that has to do with God. What church do you go to? Oh, and she tells you, and then you go visit it after praying to God. If she's not there, then you got your answer also, right? Well, maybe and maybe not. You can't be so, uh, whatchamacallit, you know, maybe, maybe not. You can ask about her or come back a second time. Hey, the second time she's not there, then now you could say, All right, I got, you know, I got an answer. But you never know. If you want to go back a third time, <laughs> third time's a charm, and she is there on the third time, well, then praise God. Or right reverse, right? It could be a he, too, right? Hey, it could be a he. You're looking for a God-fearing man. You do the same thing. You don't be like, oh, yeah, you want my number? No. You're like, you know, what church do you go to? He tells you, oh, I go to this church over here in the corner. Oh, I know that church. real nice. My aunt goes there. and Whatever the conversation leads you to from there. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. And if he invites you, that's a big one, right? He might ask you, what church do you go to? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and if he invites you this way, say, hey, why don't you um, uh, come visit us sometime, you know, and, and we can praise the Lord together. Man, that's fire right there. So you go home and you do what? You plan it? No, you talk to God about it. Father God, I met a man today and this and that. You know, he invited me to his church that I can praise you with him. I like that. Father, I pray that maybe this guy is the one. I know you'll lead me and guide me to that truth. Boom. Okay. You got the idea now, right? I think I lost myself completely from what we were talking about. But anyway, it's to put away the evil from among you. So you don't sin. Sin. So putting the evil out of that house, they're going to do this. Uh-oh, there's a blasphemer. What do they do with blasphemers? They stone them to death. They kill those people because it's evil. So they want to get, they want to shun evil for what it is. Call it for what it is. Kill it. Destroy it. Get it out quick. It's, it's like poison ivy. It spreads. So they want to get rid of it. That's why they do that, right? I say it's a little more out of fear, but it's fear of God. Respecting God in that sense and what he asks, right? Now, I mean, I explained a bit about what they're talking about here. And, and it's basically, like I said, it's God's law says you don't have sex until you get married because it's called fornication. And doing that is wrong. It is sin. That's what God says. And God holds the same standard today that he did back then. The difference is the consequences. OK, we don't go around stoning people <clears throat> and the rules or how we go about making the adjustment with somebody who has committed sin is very, very different today than it was back then. Back in those days, virgins stay virgins until they're married. And it was such a big deal. You know, being a virgin was a big deal. Many times these young ladies would get married at 13 years of age and so on. Uh, uh, when their menstrual cycle would start, they were ready to get married, so to speak. And so they start very early. Well, when they would get married. Anyway, and the young lady and her husband who 
would go into the tent to consummate their marriage in their first act of intimacy. The parents of the bride would provide a white cloth that would be placed on the bed or the cot or whatever it was that they were going to lay on that they were using. And they would have their intimacy on that. The reason is, it's because, as I think everybody knows here already, I mean, I hope you do. Well, if you don't, you will. There's a part of a lady that, before she comes into intimacy, is in the way... I say it's in the way it's blocking the intimacy with a man. And once the first time of intimacy intimacy has come, uh, there's a little bit of bleeding that would go on because of that part being broken. Now, if in fact that was her first time, then some of the blood should have spilt on that white cloth that was on the bed. So if the new husband came out and said, hey, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. She wasn't a virgin. She said she was a virgin. I married her. I expected her to have given herself completely to me. She was not a virgin. And the parents would go in there. They would go in the room where they were at. Well, let me see. I don't want to see. They walk in there. And that's crazy, right? They walk right in there where you were just at. And, and, and they grab the cloth. If we let this slide, then other young people will find out that we let it slide. And then, well, it's okay. You just get a slap on the wrist. But you can have fun. And nobody really does anything. And so the other city get involved and say, that's not how it's going to, hey, what's this? She's been charged with not being a virgin. What's happening here? And so parents will bring out the cloth. They always say, bring the cloth over here to the gate, right? So they'll bring it out. Well, if evidence of her virginity is found, they're saying, look, obviously your first time come on. Then they say, well, look at this. This guy's bringing a bad name on this family. You need to pay a lot of money. And and don't even think about divorcing this lady all the days of your life. You are stuck because you did a bad thing. But if that cloth is clean and there's nothing there, they take that girl, that young girl, immediately and listen to where they take her. They don't take her to the center, to the door of her father's house, not out of the big square of the city, to the door of her father's house. Why right there? Like I said, where mom, why there where mom and dad are standing? Well, they're watching all this where everybody is looking at the house and realizing something bad is happening to that family at that house. And all the men of the city pick up stones and throw stones at her until she's dead. Why, it's not only a punishment, like I said, for the girl, it's not a punishment for the father because it was his responsibility to make sure that his daughter remained a virgin until the day that she got married. And it's an embarrassment and a punishment to him. And God ends this by saying, so you shall put away the evil from among you as a people. How many of you know if this was the way we handle things here in the United States, things would be a little bit different, right? A guy takes a girl out on a date. He drives up to inspiration point, you know, and shuts the car off. And he's like, it's hard a little bit. Throws that arm over around her and the girl, you know, and she leans over and and he gets an elbow right, right in there, huh? Pow! Don't, 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 don't get your, don't get your hands off of me, boy. You're not gonna get me killed. <laughs> Imagine that, right? If it was like that here, the girls be fighting them off, like, oh, you ain't killing me. No, I'm not going to inspiration point because I know what you want. You're not getting me killed. Come on now, right? Can you imagine that? You know, you're watching the news, and all of a sudden, three virgins were stoned today. How many of you know? It would change society. That's why the Lord wanted to be the king of Israel. 
And not to put another king who would begin to compromise possibly how things happen. Because once compromised, them young kids don't know. People don't know you're raised up with a certain way of thinking in our society. The way that it works now is, well, if that's good for you, that's okay. If you're safe and happy, it's okay. But that's not good for me. You know, there is no absolute truth. We don't go according to God's standards. Now, if it's okay for me, then it's okay. Not too long ago, uh, uh, I was counseling a couple, and if, and and I said, "You guys living together?" I asked them, "You guys living together now?" And they said, "Yeah." And I said, "Now, do you realize that God says that that's wrong? Because I, I obviously, I you know, you guys are not staying apart from each other. Obviously, you're sleeping in the same bed. And they, yeah, we're sleeping in the same bed." I said, "Right. So it's called fornication." Well, just sleeping there. Well, you know as well as I know that you know that I know that you know you're not just laying there. You're not just laying there. No, you're not. When that warm body starts calling, you start getting a little closer. And you get real close, you know. And then you get so close that you start to fornicate. You can, hey, man, don't tell me you, 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 you did that. You just lay there. No. So, I mean, it wasn't exactly like that, but it was a talk about it. And yeah, and they begin to explain this thing to me. Yeah, you know, but we thought about it and we feel good about it. No. No, uh, well, we, you know, we feel that, you know, we're together and God loves us and, um, you know, he, he's blessing us. He recognizes us in marriage. I said, what? No, no, you don't have sex first and then get married. That's not how it works. And you're going to tell me that God blessed you because you had sex first and now you call yourself married because you had sex. It doesn't work that way. It's been, but, but all they say, it's been good for us. And a lot of people say that it's been good for us. And so they explained it all. Had no clue that it's a serious thing to God. Uh, well, later on, once they did find out, <clears throat> once they did find out, they went and got married. You know, they did the right thing, got married. And why? Because when you come into covenant with somebody, and by the way, the breaking of that skin on a woman that brings the blood is God's design for marriage to be a blood covenant. That's the point. That's the point. God wants blood flow. Yeah, blood covenant is messy. God wants it to be messy because it leaves an impression on your mind that something serious happened here. God wanted it to be serious because he wanted to leave an impression on the minds, right? And say, uh, uh, um, to know what happened here. They just wanted you to know what happened here. That was not the normal. And so that's why God said, you don't let anybody come into covenant with some other guy and then come over here and make vows and come in and cut with me. No, you don't do that. That's not covenant. See, our society just goes the other way and we can't figure out why God does this. I tell you why. Look at our society and how marriages are. That's why. Look at the broken hearts. Look at the devastation. Look at all the people, men and women, that can't reach their potential because their heart's been ripped out by the lack of understanding of covenant. There's a lot of uh, same sex because the uh, they, the devastation of the heart breaks. Oh, I can't live with this woman. Oh, I can't live with this man. And they allow these things to take place. That's why it's not God being a party pooper. It's God wanting us to have the best. Look at that. Verse 21. Put evil away from amongst you. Lack of understanding of covenant. Put the evil away from amongst you. How would they kill a young girl? Why would they do that? Because God says, if we didn't do that, then lots of young girls will lose their lives to sin. 
it's worse to lose their lives to sin and end up in hell at that time than to uh, lose their virginity today. Because always it always leads to death. It will always lead to death. Death of marriages, death of self-esteem, and that's what we have in our society today. Did you know that suicide, the suicide rate in our society among teenagers, in fact, in the last 10 years, the suicide rate from 10 to 14 years old has increased 265%, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. We think we'd be too hard on them to try to get them to live God's way. People say, oh, well, we can't live under all these rules and, and legalistically. Well, you're not reading along. You're not following along. You're not paying attention to what God is saying to you. Okay, come on, let them do whatever they want, they say, not realizing that sin always leads to death. You die on the inside. You lose your self-esteem, your self-respect. God knows what he's doing. God has a way of doing these things. See, in marriage, it's a blood covenant from the very beginning. Now, for those of you that have lost out and you've sinned, you've violated this, and it's not to make, and it's not to make you feel uh, like a bunch of losers or anything like that. That's not what God's intention is. As we bring these things out, okay, it's not for that. But it is very important that you recognize these things, even if you did not hold on to these things, and you blew it, and you sinned. And you didn't have that spouse, you still need to give the word of God, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, and you didn't have that marriage where you came into covenant for the first time in intimacy with your spouse. You still need to give the word of God, the respect, and say, you know what? I didn't do it right then, but that's truth. You confessed it to the Lord, not to anybody else, to the Lord. And then everybody you come into contact with from now on that you have an opportunity, especially your children and family members, you tell them the truth. I didn't do it. I didn't do it right. But you need to do it right because it's going to be better than it was for me. Covenant is the way to be married. Now, this is the, this here is very interesting and good to know. Even though you're going to get backlash and fight you back, but still, speak on marriage, right? Speak on the things that are truth that God gives to us. Because once we do that, we start showing that we are one with the Lord in marriage and what covenant is about. The importance of it. You don't just get married with anybody. But people do that. They're like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to be alone. I need to be married with someone. You know, if you are already married, we're going to touch base on that. What does God say about it? basically. And believing that marriage is a covenant intended by God to be a lifelong relationship between a man and a woman, we vow to God each other, our families in our community remain steadfast in unconditional love, reconciliation, and sexual purity, while purposefully growing in our covenant marriage relationships. Woo! That's a mouthful now, ain't it? Well, let's jump over to Romans chapter 7 real quick. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. And everybody here loves the God of Word. Say, I love the God of Word. Huh? The God of what? I love God's Word. <laughs> everybody say, I love God's Word. That's it. Even when it hurts. That's right. Even when it hurts. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Or do you not know, brother? And for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband, so that if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. 
But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress. Though she is married, she has married another man. How many of you know that the serious, the seriousness business, this is serious business, that's it. Is he still alive? Is, is she still alive? Okay, then, I mean, there it is. Why? What God has joined together, let no man separate. Why? What God has joined together, let no man separate. I said it twice for a reason. Because this is the truth of the matter. There's different reasons why you would get divorced. Um, why people get divorced today, they even use the law. They don't ever follow the law, but they, when it comes to something they want, they turn to the things of God and, and make it a fact, right? They argue with it. They use it as a weapon. God takes this seriously. Our society does not, in fact. And several months ago, I read that divorce rate in the church had crept up a slight percentage higher than the outside of the church. I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means today. I mean, the Jews, but I don't know. But I tell you, what it means to me as a pastor, it just means that I, I don't want to get in front of the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ and him say, why didn't you say the truth? Why didn't you tell them the truth? Why didn't you say it? Were you afraid that they might reject you? What were you afraid of? Why is it? What excuse do you have for not saying what I said and allowing them to believe a lie? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that what happened. And tough or not tough. We're going to take it from the word. That's what the word says in to say that we'll look over here. First chapter of Corinthians. Look. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse, uh, verse 1. Now concerning the things of which he wrote to me, that was 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Uh-huh. Of which he wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. I don't like that verse either <laughs> because, you know, I'm, I'm a married man. I want to touch my wife. But this is, he's concerning the things of which he wrote to me. Okay, listen to it. Let's read the rest of it, okay? What is, he, what is Paul saying here? Paul saying it's good for a man not to even get married because if you're not married, then you can commit a lot more of your time to do work of the Lord. That's what he's saying. He's not condemning marriage. In verse 2, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. What do you think? The man was the only one committing sexual immorality? No, the women commit sexual immorality also. In other words, because it's tough to control ourselves sexually. Then he said, I'd rather you get married than to be trying to stay abstinent. You could try to be abstinent all you want and do the work of the Lord, but not be quite abstinent and be slipping up here and there. He said, that's not good. Get married, right? Okay, so Paul's talking here, obviously, a person who is not married. And he's letting us know that you can get a lot done for the Lord if you're not married, but it's not worth anything if you're slipping up sexually. Now, verse 3, let the husband render to his wife the affection. That's a big word, the affection. Notice these two words. Do you ever get bills in the mail? They say payment due, right? Any of them? All right, they say payment due. Now, does that mean it's an option? Is that a suggested donation amount? What does that mean? You already used the merchandise. You've already used the service. Pay up. You owe us. Isn't that right? Notice this says the husband needs to render to his wife the affection due her. He owes her. That affection, talking about sexual affection, you owe her. Notice this. Notice this. 
Likewise, the wife also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body. Hmm, yeah, I've memorized that one for sure, 150%. That's the word of God. My son, give attention to my words. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time. Consent, there it is. Not because you're mad at me all year and stay away for months and months at a time, no. You consent with each other for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer. Not for, and, and, and come together again. It's not, the consent isn't because, oh, you know, I haven't been feeling well, so, you know, let's not. And it goes, oh, for two, three months in a row. Oh, it's not, you know, because what's happening here is that you didn't give yourself to what? Uh, we understand that if you're sickly or something's going on physically or whatever, that's, that's a difference. But here, there's some people will not come together, okay? They deprive each other, okay? But not for fasting and prayer. Not for fasting and prayer, for other things, other gods, other other people, you see what I'm saying? Other people, and they forget. And this is where they start getting problems and say, why are you acting this way? Well, you know, you were all, all day long with Dorothy, the fifth day in a row. You know, I haven't seen you all week long. Yeah, well, we're going again next week and this week. You see, and it continues on like that, even with the guys, even with people that work so far away. No, man, think about your spouse and your family. Not the money and the things that you can have. It's better to have a strong uh, 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 covenant with your spouse than to make all that loot. Okay. Now, it says that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. What's that saying? He's, he's, talking, he's talking strong words there. He's, he's saying that he's direct in saying that you and I lack self-control. So if it's the truth that each and every one of us in the world, we lack self-control, then drawing near to God is a good idea, right? It, it, but wait a minute, not just that, but as a spouse, this is why we need to uh, deprive one another, accept, do not deprive each other, accept with consent. Hey, honey, you know, I really need to get into study. I'm going to be studying for the word for, you know, a couple weeks here. Let's just hold back. I'm not ignoring you. I love you. Boom. That's big, man. You know, because you're doing what? You're going into fasting and prayer. Okay. Satan stays away. But if you're doing it for other reasons, guess who's knocking at your back door? Satan is. And I noticed this. You remember covenant? This is my body, which is broken for you, right? Giving the bread. This is my body. We're, we're giving as marriage. Even the intimacy part of marriage is covenant. I don't have intimacy just for my pleasure. My body is for my wife. Her body is for me. It's not about what I want to get out of it. I'm in covenant, see? And so that's where if we could understand covenant in the giving of ourselves to one another, not just in sexual area, so your body is not just for sexual things. Your body, guys, are also to take the trash out, brothers, you know that, uh, even sisters, and not to lift heavy things that your wife needs you to lift if she can't lift it. It's your body being given to help her in any way that this is my body. I'm here for you, all my strength, all of my abilities, all of me. I'm giving it to you as a covenant. Listen to that. Well, you know, this is all about covenant. 
That's kind of that's a, a covenant friendship too. That's also love. And a lover that you have intimacy with the marriage is covenant friendship plus, plus, plus. All right, let's see. Let's turn to another scripture here. Um, we're getting close here. So much we could turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 7, husbands likewise dwell with them, talking about the wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, meaning that she has a weaker body, giving, give honor to that. And as being heirs together of the grace, listen to that, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be <coughs> here. Notice heirs together. Did, did, did you know that? You, you can't do... <laughs> When, you can't do that anymore when you get married. You can't just run off and be an heir of God by yourself anymore. Did you know that? You can't do that. What, you, before you get married, you're an heir to the throne all by yourself. Now when you get married, you're not an heir to by yourself anymore. Um, and it says you may be... <laughs> God sees you... Okay, God sees you as one. He says heirs... Together, because you're together, you're heirs together. It says you may be heirs together, being heirs together, <laughs> heirs together. Sound like a song all of a sudden. Heirs together, being heirs together of the grace of light that your prayers may not be hindered. God said if you don't learn to dwell with understanding with one another, What's going to happen? You can't act all spiritual coming to God and receiving everything from, from God and God's just going to bless you and not bless your spouse. No, man. He said, you take care of your covenant. And then we'll talk about our covenant. Our covenant is going to be dependent on how well you do with your covenant. You can't violate your covenant and expect the full blessings of this covenant to, to, to come to pass. You stood there and made those vows. Came into covenant. Now play the part. Play it out. Give it up. So when we come to God, God do this and do that. And God said, do what? Do what you said you were going to do. Your heirs together. God sees you as one. So when you get married, just know what Paul said about better not to touch a woman. You're dependent on that relationship in a sense. You touch her. She's your wife now. You can just go and have your little understanding. Expect God to just overlook all. Don't worry. You're right with me. Uh-uh-uh. No, she's not or he's not, but you are. And God says, no, get it straight. Let me give you a scripture. If you bring your gift to the altar and your brother has what? Has what against you? And listen to that. God said, leave it. Leave it. I don't even want your gift. I don't want your gift right now. Leave it there. Go get that straightened out first. You know, we teach our kids that, um, even with our children, we teach our kids to have, to love one another and think of each other in everything. Offer, share with one another. Even when there's a situation, hear each other when we're calling and asking and not knowing how to do something. Help each other out. Because you don't, you don't know. I mean, we don't act like that. Why? I let them know that. We don't do things that we go against each other and start arguing and fighting. And my kids don't do that. Sometimes they'll argue. They're not perfect. They'll argue about things and get mad at each other. And we step in. We let we listen to them. 
to, to the point where we hear them trying to figure it out amongst themselves and we see that it's escalating, then we'll step in. It doesn't really escalate that big. They walk away from each other upset. They're like, fine, that I'm leaving because they've also learned there's no sense in standing and arguing. It takes two. So somebody's got to end it. So now we'll, we'll see it. We'll get in there. And we let them know. You don't act like we, you know, like that. Why? You're in, you're in air together. They're one with you. Listen, your children are one with you. You love them as yourself until they get married, of course. We're talking about little kids. The innocence. The innocence, okay? All right, we're almost done. And we're talking about the innocence there. It wasn't about grown children. Grown men and grown women, they know already right from wrong. And they, they shouldn't be living with you, that's for sure. But if they are, and God bless them, you know, they're, you're, you're looking out for them. But, well, let's turn to Malachi chapter 2 real quick. Last book in the Old Testament. Uh-huh. Come down to verse 13. Verse thir- what is it? Uh, chapter 2, verse 13. Uh-huh. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord, your Lord, with tears. And this, uh, you cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Do you hear that? Is it good from your hands? Yet you say for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. I love it the way scripture just talks about all these things that we bypass, that we really don't look at. And then we wonder why marriages are so screwed up. You know, why people are getting divorced. Oh, if it happened before Christ, then you're forgiven. If it's happened now after Christ, ask for forgiveness. Try and concentrate all of you in the things of the Lord and let God lead you. Don't start looking for another spouse. Let God lead you into that. Okay? But um, the Lord is witness now of uh, when you were in your youth with your wife by covenant. She is your companion and your wife by covenant. And vice versa, right? Well, look at verse 16. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. There it is. A lot of people want to make excuses, but it says here, for the Lord of God of Israel says that he hates divorce. See, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit. Now, you do not deal treacherously. What is he saying here? He's saying, well, you know, you're not in the love anymore, so you're going to get out. What do you do in the process? You rip somebody's heart up. There's no divorce unless there's some kind of co- concocted wedding that was a fake that was or, or some ulterior motive. But any real marriage that started off with love, the genuine commitment that ends in divorce, you can't get out on off with love and, and genuine commitment that ends in divorce. You can't get out without hurting somebody. Somebody may get into an affair and fall in love with somebody else, so to speak, and feel like they will get out scot-free. No, it, it's it's going to get you. It's going to follow you. Now, you didn't get out scot-free. People think they do, but he didn't. You know that what your heart is like, a piece of scotch tape. Ever tried reuse this piece of scotch tape like two or three, four times? You rip it off, get all the fuzzies off your clothing, 
you stick it on something else and it doesn't quite stick as good, right? But it holds a little bit, just a little bit. But then you rip it off one more time. You go to stick it on another time and, and all the stickiness is gone. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better at all. That's why God says we need to teach our kids, see? And many of us have come from bad backgrounds and so on. And sometimes we get people get caught up into marriages where they don't have any control over it. The other person said, I'm out, I'm out, I'm done. Well, you know, I mean, there's only so much you can do. And some people have had that right there. And God understands those kinds of situations and so on. God's not condemning. No, 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 please look at that and understand that. God's not condemning. If you've been in that situation, he's not condemning you at all. But God's trying to say we need to understand the solid solidness of what a marriage is supposed to be in covenant. Because how many of you ever got two pieces of scotch tape facing each other with a sticky part and got them too close to each other, huh? What happens? It's like a magnet, isn't it? There's some kind of friction or static that sticks them together. And now, and how many of you know uh, you got the sticky part facing each other? That's hard to get undone. You just can't. It's, it's kind of hard. The good tape anyway. That's hard to get done. You, you take two people that didn't get off in this relationship and that ideas the the ideas of let's try this let's check this out and get intimate here and intimate there and everything you get them together until you got some solid there god can if you you, you understand what i'm saying god can he can if you got him in the middle if you put him in the middle of that it's going to be solid like the example i gave earlier if you put god in the middle of that and allow him to bring that into play according to his will, not what you want, what you desire. So if you look on, on dating.com and you find a girl, you can't say it's of God. Because if you didn't find her in the things of the Lord, then she's in the things of the world. And if he's in the things of the world, then he's not in the things of God. And that's what you're looking for, for somebody that's in the things of God, that loves God and will teach you to love him through God. And so maybe you didn't quite get everything that God wanted you to have. I mean, your children, your family, and other kids in your neighborhood that you can influence to understand the principles of the Lord. Let's influence everybody we can. Why not? Amen. I didn't. I mean, Arisa, excuse me, 100% of all that God wanted me to have in every area of my life. Not till later on, but I want my kids to do better. And my kids don't receive 100% of everything that God has for them. But I want them to have their kids to do better. Don't you see? Don't be discouraged about the past. The, the, the Bible says forgetting those things which are behind, but it, it lets us move forward and let's do better. Let's do better. Now, let me just go over a covenant marriage ceremony. We take this out. I'm going to walk around. Person it is. Do you know why extra, why the extra seat, the family of the bride and groom on separate sides? The bride over, um, the way they seat everything, right? The bride over on... The side of the groom over on the side, right? How many of you know and think about covenant when you see that? Think about that right now. Think about their seating arrangements uh, uh, at a wedding. You heard that before, a tribe on this side, a tribe on that side. You want to know why it's all about covenant? A center aisle in between. Right now, the two families are coming together that day. The bride and the groom. They pass between the two families as between the two place, pieces of flesh walking down the center aisle. I don't know why the white renders there, but I guess representing the holy ground, because this is not just a covenant between two people. 
It's a covenant between two people before God. And they say, so help me God. And we're, we're, we're putting the white runner down to make sure that everybody knows this is that it doesn't work out. We, we can get out of it. No, no, no. We're doing this before Almighty God who will last forever. We can't outlast God. You want to know why the parents have special seating? Because they're, they're coming into covenant. And they enter as authorities in the youngsters' lives. And the, and, and the Exodus counselors, see, which ain't authority anymore, they're only counselors from that point on. But they have special seating because the families are coming together. And those are heads of the families. And, and they're seated at those places so that they can see the covenant happen very clearly. Remember what we talked about in the first few sections of the series, Blood Covenant. You understand? Well, it's not me. It's them. They're married. They're the ones doing it. No, they're not the only ones doing it. They're part of you, so your blood's in them. And when they come into covenant, you come into covenant. Whether you like it or not, whether you admit it or not, you're in covenant with them. Now the groom enters first. Why is that? Because he's the covenant initiator. The father walks a bride down the aisle. Why? He says two things in doing that. Number one, I'm endorsing this groom as the best for my daughter. That's a big statement, isn't it? Second, now I'm taking, I'm talking now about the way that it ought to be. Our society does not do things like this anymore. Yet we still have these in our ceremonies. And I want you to notice that, okay? I present to you, Mr. and Mrs. You know what this is. They're announcing the name change. The name change has been a memorial for a long time. Now remember what Jesus says, right? I won't drink this anymore until I drink it anew with you. At the Last Supper, what is he saying? That's the marriage supper. Now, what's he saying? I'm not going to give myself to anybody else. I'm committed myself in covenant to you. You are my bride now, so to speak, and I'm your groom. And until the day that we consummate this marriage by you becoming one with us in the flesh, we were one together again. I won't drink this anymore. And then we'll have a feast because we've come together completely, completely. So, here we are. Some people act and say God can't forget, and that's wrong. God forgets. In the book of Isaiah, God said, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions, and I will not remember your stance. He didn't say I cannot. He said, I will not. That's right. I will not remember. Isn't that good? Thank God for his grace and his mercy, brothers and sisters. Father, we thank you for the word of God tonight. First of all, Father, I pray for those who need a covenant friend. There are some in here that are so lonely in their hearts, not necessarily because there are no people around them, but they have the, no covenant. And yet, Father, we know that you want them to have that. First of all, I ask you to give them some wisdom to know how to be a friend, to be a covenant friend, loyal, trusted person, that people... No, they're not going to talk behind anybody's back, but the, they would be willing to give their life away and be inconvenienced for someone at any time, Lord. And Father, I pray that you prepare a covenant friend. If that's you and, and you're looking for a covenant friend, would you believe right now with me? Verbalize that to the Lord as I'm talking. Say, God, I believe you for my covenant friend. Some of you have been waiting for years to have somebody like that. Some of you are thinking that you want a covenant partner in marriage. God knows that. He wants you to have that. Ask him right now. The Lord asks an adjustment on the part. Help me to be whom I'm supposed to be. And Father, bring into my path the covenant partner or marriage partner that you have for me. I know you don't want me to be lonely. And Father, 
I thank you that you are my friend who sticks closer than a brother, even when nobody's here for me, and I'm lonely, I'm afraid, I'm discouraged, and I'm down. I thank you that you are here for me. You will never leave me nor forsake me. You're here to the end of the ages. I receive you today. Everybody say that with me. I receive you today as my covenant friend. I want to be your friend. Teach me to lay my life down for you so that you enjoy me as I enjoy you. In Jesus' name, amen.